Good morning. How are we doing? We're going to be in 2 Timothy to start. Could you guys stand with me? We're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, and then we'll pray. And then you guys can be seated, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue you in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Lord, we ask you to bless this message. We ask you to fill our hearts and minds with your love. We ask you to speak to us precious words. Uh, we ask you to pour out your loving kindness upon us. We ask you to show us your mercy and your glory. Jesus, we believe you for an outpouring of your spirit. We believe you for the salvation of souls. We trust in you for our own hearts and our own minds to be knit together as the body of Christ. Yes, Lord, we ask you to speak this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You read that first verse in 2 Timothy. Yeah, you may be seated. Thank you. Uh, you read that first verse in 2 Timothy, and you think about uh, the world today, and you wonder. Well, you actually, you, you really don't wonder. You don't wonder. You, you read that verse, and you think, wow, I think the Bible is speaking the truth. Um, when David is surrounded by his enemies, David constantly calls out to God. When we as believers are surrounded by the world, the atmosphere, principalities and powers, uh, the wiles of the devil, we can cry out to God. Uh, when evil is waxing worse and worse, when deceivers and, and those being deceived is growing in the world, we can cry out to God. In Psalm 17, David does just this. Uh, he speaks about his enemies, starting in verse 10. Psalm 17, verse 10, he says, They are enclosed in their own fat. With their mouth they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth, like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. But then he cries out to God. And this can be all of us crying out to God at any moment. And we can say this, verse 13. Say, say it with me. One, two, three. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is your sword. Do you ever say that? Do you ever say, Arise, O Lord? Arise, O Lord, as the day star arises in your hearts. I think that's Daniel. Arise, O Lord, cast down my enemies, cast down the wicked. I don't care if evil men are waxing worse and worse. I am going to continue in the things that you have taught me. I am going to continue in the way that you have made known to me through your holy scriptures. 
I am going to continue knowing that you have me etched in the palm of your hand. Do we believe God for that? Arise, O Lord. Arise. Uh, As you know, as you've heard a couple times now already, a group of us went to Asbury uh, to see what was going on there. And I just think about that verse. I just think about God arising in the midst of an evil generation, in the midst of earthquakes and famines and pestilences and wars and rumors of wars. I think, God, arise, arise, O Lord, scatter your enemies. And when we went there and we saw that, we just saw Christ lifted up. We just saw Jesus on the throne and everybody looking towards and worshiping him. We didn't see anything else. We didn't see a bunch of confusion. We didn't see a bunch of uh, emotionalism. We didn't see anything but Christ lifted up. The Lord being arisen. Uh, If you look at me, look with me. (laughs) Don't look at me, please. (laughs) Please turn your faces away. It's hard enough to look out at you whenever we're up here like this. (laughs) If you look in 1 Kings chapter 16... You have a picture of evil waxing worse and worse. You have a picture of the world growing more and more evil, king after king, ruler after ruler. It says, if you go through First and Second Samuel, you look at Saul's reign, then David's reign, then Solomon's reign. And then after Solomon, you see the kingdom split, and you start to see kings from Judah and kings from Israel going at each other. And some of them follow wholly after the Lord, but most of them, most of them do not. And when you look at the world today and you look at the rulers that are in place today, you see some of them following after God and most of them do not. Now we have a certain king that rises up in 1 Kings chapter 16. And it's here in verse 29. 1 Kings 16 verse 29. And in the 30 and 8th year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Skip down to verse 33. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Evil waxes worse and worse. Deceivers are rising up. The deceived are are growing in number. What do we do with that? How do we live our lives whenever that's the case? How do we walk and continue and be sure of our calling whenever everything around us seems to be compassing us? Like it, it just seems to be surrounding us, seems to be closing in on us. We ask God to arise. We ask God to arise. It says here, and maybe in a different translation, it says it just a little bit better. It says that he did more evil, this King Ahab did more evil than all the previous kings of Israel combined to that point. He was the most evil of all. The first example they give is there in verse 34. He let someone rebuild the walls of Jericho. Now, for those of you who don't know your Old Testament so well, I don't blame you for not thinking anything significant of that whatsoever, but Joshua in chapter 6 says, the person who rebuilds the walls of Jericho will be cursed. 
His son will die as he builds the walls, and his, his, uh, his firstborn will die as he builds the walls, and his finalborn will die as he builds the gates. It's a curse to rebuild the walls of Jericho. The first thing that happens in Ahab's reign is the walls of Jericho are rebuilt. Evil waxes worse and worse. What do we do? We say, God, arise. Look at 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. God arises. God arises. This is amazing to me. I'm not even going to read the whole verse. And Elijah the Tishbite. Elijah the Tishbite. Who's that? That's God arising. Whenever Ahab is ruling the world, I really need you to pay attention to this phrase right here. Whenever Ahab is ruling the world, God is sending Elijah. God is sending Elijah. The spirit of the world, the spirit of the cosmos, the spirit of the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians chapter 2, the God of this world, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, when he seems to be ruling, God is sending Elijah. God is arising. He is letting himself be known. He is making his presence known, whether it's in Asbury, Kentucky, or someplace in Tennessee, or right here in this assembly, or right here inside of each and every one of your hearts. God is arising. And he's sending Elijah to you. What does Elijah do? What does he do? He does so many things. Whenever uh, Ahab is, is, is just going off doing his own thing, the first thing Elijah does is he performs a sign. He performs a wonder. He says, Ahab, it will not rain again on this earth until I speak it. Just so that you know that your rule is not the supreme rule in this world. God has the supreme rule in this world. God has the final say in what's going to happen in this life. And, and if he gives me the power to say it will not rain, then it will not rain. How often do we just succumb to or give in to the, the spirit of this world, the God of this world? How often do we say in our hearts and minds, well, it's just easier to go with the flow. The flow is in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. The flow is the course of this world that the prince of the power of the air steers us in. It's easier to go with the flow than against the current. But Elijah comes in. Uh, a work of God comes in, the Spirit moves, and it works in your heart, and it gives you the opportunity to stand still in the midst of that current. And you can stop, and you can stand in the middle of those waters. You can stand in the middle of those waters like Elijah does. He stands in the middle of the Jordan River. He takes off his mantle. He puts it down on the ground, and the waters part. And the course of the world has no effect on him. The flow of the river has no effect on him. The flow of, of the God of this world, of the devil, that old serpent, the, the great deceiver, has no effect on what he's about and what he's going to do. And that's in each and every one of us, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a believer in God. God talks about the spirit of Elijah over and over again, actually, in the Bible. It's not just this one moment where Elijah the Tishbite comes and faces off against Ahab. There's this really amazing story in 1 Kings chapter 18 where Ahab brings all of his prophets and Elijah stands there by himself and he fights against them. And he says, why do you now halt between two opinions? Why do you still halt between two opinions? A double-minded man in James chapter 1 verse 8 is unstable in all of his ways. If God be God, then serve him. And if, if Baal be the Lord, then you go off and, and you serve Baal. 
If you have, if you have a struggle in your heart today about which direction to go in, if you don't know the Lord is your savior, then something's coming. A sign's coming. A wonder's about to happen. God's about to do a miraculous work through Elijah. But this, this work is not just in one place. This work is continual. In Malachi chapter 4, the last two verses talk about Elijah coming back. They talk about Elijah coming back. And then in Matthew 17, whenever Jesus is with his disciples, the three, James, John, and Peter, and he's transfigured before them, he goes on to say, let's turn there, Matthew 17. Who appears there with him? It's Elijah and Moses. Matthew 17. And in verse 9, after they all appear and then they go away again, they come down off the mountain in verse 9, and Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elias or Elijah must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elijah has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Elijah has come over and over again. The work of God has continued and shown up over and over again in the face of evil. In the face of evil waxing worse and worse, God continues to arise and set his standard and say, Hey, I'm still here too. Hey, I have something to say to you. Hey, I have a work for you to take part in if you want to. Hey, I have like salvation for your body and your soul. I have glorification for your, your eternal destination. I have everything that you could possibly need. But if you continue to go in the course of this world... You love your lives unto the death. You literally love, you, love your lives unto the death. But the person who believes in me, like, steps out of that flow, steps out of that death, and is written in the Lamb's book of life. Elijah comes in John chapter 1. The spirit of Elijah comes in John chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Can the spirit of Elijah come again? Can Elijah rise up to face against Ahab again? Can that continue to happen? Do you know how it can continue to happen? Why did John the Baptist come? It says right there in verse 7. To what? What is it? To witness. To bear witness. To witness the light. To say, hey, I am not that light. Hey, this thing that's happening in Asbury, Kentucky is not Jesus Christ himself, but it is a witness of who he is. Whenever Elijah goes up against the prophets in 1 Kings chapter 8, who is he pointing to? Is he pointing to himself? Who is he pointing to? He's pointing to the light. He's pointing to Jesus Christ. He's pointing to the, to the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Jacob. 
He's pointing to the God of heaven who, who like commands the waters on the earth to stop at a certain point. He's, he's pointing to, to salvation. He's not pointing to this little thing that's happening on the ground right now in the midst of all of us. This little flow that continues to get worse and worse and worse and go deeper and darker and darker. He points to something else. And then he challenges the prophets of those who believe in this flow, of those who believe in the God of this world. He says, okay, if, if Baal be God, call unto him and let him rain down on your sacrifice and burn it up. Does Baal ever show up? No, you read that story if you get the chance, First Kings chapter 18. Baal never shows up. He starts to poke fun at the prophets and say, say is your God asleep? Is your God tired or... Is he uh, off doing something else? Does he need to eat right now? What happens as soon as Elijah calls on the God of Israel? As soon as he calls on the God of Israel, let alone all the stuff he did to booby trap his own sacrifice and to say and, and to show that like naturally a fire coming down would not do anything to this. He, he pours. OK, think about this real quick. Think about this. He commanded that there would be no rain for three years until he said it again. And then he tells the people that he's going to prove this thing to, go and get me three or four barrels of water. How scarce would water be at that point if it had not rained for a couple years? You go get me your most precious resource right now, and I'm going to dump it out on my offering, and the Lord is still going to show up and burn it. But you have to give up that thing that's most precious to you right now. You have to give up that thing in your life that you hold so closely and so dearly that you think you need to survive so that God can show up and burn it away. That's amazing. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. I am here to witness about you, God. I am here to witness about you, Jesus Christ. Hear me, O Lord. Psalm 17 Arise, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Can the spirit of Elijah... Come back right now? Can he stir you up in your heart right now? Can he say to you that whatever you're holding so closely to, whatever you're clinging to, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, whatever you think you need for your own sustenance, for your own uh, selfishness, for, for whatever it is you hold so dearly to you, can he say, hey, give that to me so that the, fi- so that the fire of God can come down and consume it? So that you can be consumed with everything that I am and everything and and all that I am. I think he can. I think he can. This is is what God does. He performs signs and wonders. In Acts chapter 2, whenever the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples, he just starts calling people unto himself. He just, fire comes down from heaven. Fire comes down from heaven again. 
The Spirit of the Lord descends upon them as flames of fire, as tongues, and they start to speak and they start to call all men unto Himself. God has a witness. It's in each and every one of your hearts. The Spirit of God witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God in Romans chapter 8. He has a witness for you in your own heart, in your own life, and He has a witness for you to give out to other people to show them that they can be children of God too. They don't have to be the children of disobedience anymore. They don't have to walk according to their own lusts. Do you know something right now, today, this morning, no matter what you have going on in your life, God loves you dearly? He loves you so tremendously that he doesn't care about your adulteries and your fornications. He doesn't care about your lies and your deceit and all the things that you hold in your heart and go against him with. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants, he wants to rain fire down in your life and show you that he is all you need. He wants to send Elijah back into the world. By the way, Elijah is coming back again. It's another way to talk about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming back again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And when he comes back, he's going to call everyone unto himself that believes in him. He's coming back again. It doesn't matter what wickedness is reigning right now. It doesn't matter what is going on in the world. Jesus will arise Psalm 68, verse 1. Jesus will arise. Let's read that one. Psalm 68, verses 1 through 4. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing unto God. Sing praises to His name and extol Him that rides upon the heavens by His name. Yah. And rejoice before Him. When you have Elijah, Jesus Christ, reigning in your heart, you just want to praise Him. You just want to glorify Him. You just want to be a witness of that light, that true light, that you are not the light, but you have a glimpse of it, a piece of it inside of you that you can show to other people in this very dark world. Whenever, whenever you enter into a dark room, what does your eye look for? Looks for light. It only takes the very smallest glimmer of light to catch your eye's attention. When you're in that dark room, when we're walking in a dark world, when people are walking, they stumble. They don't know at what they stumble at. Men are lovers of darkness in John chapter three. What are they actually looking for that they don't even know? They're looking for light. Do you want to be that light? Do you want to be that witness? Do you want to be that testimony? Do you want to be the person that says to them, God loves you so much, regardless of what you have going on in your life right now? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. That light. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 verses 12 and 13. He that has the son has life. And he that has not the son of God has not life. You could replace those words, the word life there with light. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. In Revelation chapter 12, when it talks about 
Satan being cast down. Do you know what it says about uh, believers? There's a song about it. We will overcome. By what? Two things. Thank you for singing it for me. I didn't want to do that and embarrass myself. The word of the lamb, uh, the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb, the sacrifice of God, giving us his only son, pouring out his blood on the mercy seat in heaven, paying and atoning for our sins, justifying us, declaring us legally righteous and without sin in the presence of God by the blood of the lamb and the word of his and the word of our testimony, your witness, your life, your love, your joy your sacrifice, your selflessness. All through Christ who works in us both to will and to do. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. All through Jesus Christ who came and said, Ahab, I don't care how wicked you think you are. I don't care what acts you allow to take place. I don't care if you build up the groves. I don't care if you build up the walls of Jericho. I don't care if you start putting people in lines and saying, you have to get a mark. This has to take place in your life if you want to buy and sell. God arises. When that great and terrible day of tribulation comes, God still arises. God sends Moses and possibly Elijah back to witness. And they they save 144,000 Jews. And those 144,000 Jews go on to what? To witness. God has a plan. God has a way. And it starts in each and every one of our hearts. Each and every one of our hearts. So could you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? I need you to just look inside real quick. And I need you to ask yourself before God, God, what what do I have right now that I'm clinging to that you could be satisfying me for? If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, he so dearly wants you to know him. He so dearly wants you to know that he has paid the penalty for your sin, that whatever it is you are holding on to, he can take it away in an instance. And he just says in Revelation chapter 22, to all who are thirsty to come, drink of the waters. Come, come unto me, all you who are weary, Matthew 11, and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, come I have provided everything you could possibly need in this life and for the next. And he just asks you to believe in him. You just have to make a conscious decision. Believe in him. Put your trust and faith in him. Throw your sin to the side and cast it away. Put it on his shoulders where it belongs because he paid for your sins on that cross and he moved them out of the way for all of eternity. Believe on him. Just say in your heart right now, just say in your heart, Romans chapter 10, if you believe in your heart, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Believe in your heart right now, Jesus, I need you as my Savior. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I need you as my Savior. You don't want to confess with your mouth out loud. Just raise your hand. Say, I'm saying that prayer for the first time today. Raise your hand and say, I'm believing in Jesus Christ as my Savior today. Thank you, Jesus. If you're a believer here today, same question. What do you have in your heart? Let the spirit of Elijah come in. Let God arise in your hearts and walk with him today. 
Let him fill you with his love and joy. Let your life be a witness unto others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.